0: The Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Listeners, this is episode 70, Creating a Spiritual Game Plan. I am your host, Jen Bryant. And my Chloe. Hello. And Asher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We are at the dining room table right now with all kinds of papers and pizza boxes around us because we just decided to have a pizza night. And yes, the Pepsi. We do not recommend this. This is not part of a balanced diet, okay? Can we just have that disclaimer out there right now? (laughs) Okay. But sometimes we need to just chill. So speaking of family time and family togetherness, this month we're talking a lot about How to influence your kids for good. You know, like sometimes you're just raising kids and you don't really know if you're on the right track until you talk to other parents, and then what other parents do is not, maybe not what you would do or what so and so did. First of all, let's stop comparing ourselves to other families. Second of all, let's do what's right for our families. And third of all, let's try to have somewhat of a plan going in because, you know, as much as I like to freewheel things, The other part of me likes to actually be prepared for, you know, the tough questions, the situations that our kids get themselves into, that we need to have serious talks about, things like that. So, as Chloe and Asher can attest to, even just being here with their mother, we've had (laughs) to have some serious talks lately, but the more serious talks that we're going to need to have as they enter their preteen years and their high school years, are about these serious issues. I know, gasp, right? So that's why I invited Sherry Fletcher onto the podcast today, because she has an awesome resource. It's called A Spiritual Game Plan, and she's actually built somewhat of a curriculum around this. Sherry is one who is basically a mentor to high school students, and she started it in her own Christian high school around where she lives in the Seattle area, and she's developed relationships with teenagers to where they're sharing things with her that they may not share with her parents. And isn't that the case, guys, with teens, preteens? Sometimes they just need a different adult to talk to. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you or your husband are not the person for them all the time, and you can't expect yourself to be. They need a community of adults around them who they trust, not that they won't trust you, but being a parent is different than being an auntie or a friend or a coach or somebody. So Sherry talks on the podcast with me today about how and why that's an important relationship to have, but also to be aware of what your kids are asking. Let's be aware of what they want to know, what they want you to talk about with them. So let's introduce our guest today. Sherry Fletcher lives in the greater Seattle area with her husband Todd. They have three grown kids of their own and they are new empty nesters. She's had a passion to teach Bible classes, churches, high school students, and to be a mentor to youth groups since 2002. When Sherry's not volunteering on her church campus, you'll probably see her on the road running with her friends. Be sure to visit her site at SherryFletcher.com and listen to our conversation here on the Practical Family Podcast and learn how to create a spiritual game plan for your kids. Well, welcome Sherry Fletcher to the Practical Family Podcast. Great to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me today. I'm honored to be here.
0: Oh, it's so fun. You know, this you, Sherry, are another one of my fabulous intern friends. We met through the internship program with, you're with Kathy Lip, I'm with Sherry Aunt Gregory and Amy Carroll, uh, but we also are involved in Communicator Academy together. Isn't that fun? Communicator Academy podcast, shameless plug, but it this resource has been one of the main things that has helped kept keep me going as a podcaster, as a writer. How about you, Sherry? What has that been like for you, Sherry?
1: Uh, Communicator Academy has... They say it's the safest place to do the hardest thing and learning communication tips. They've been very supportive, helped me grow so much in the last year. I, I'm here today because of that and just have the courage to share and the tools to do so. It's great. Thank you.
0: Truly, truly. And this is the next big step for you. I'm so happy to be able to interview you because in the Communicator Academy Facebook group, we've been given some pretty exciting challenges, you know, maybe some of us who want to be communicators will step out, do a Facebook Live, talk about what you do. And I tell you, the minute that Sherry did that, I mean, I did my own, but then when I watched Sherry Fletcher do this, I said, I need to have that lady on my podcast because <laughs> because the ministry that God has led you to is, is just, it's so exciting and it's something so necessary uh, for me as a mom of, of kind of middle grade kids right now. I want to hear more about the ministry that you've had for about 13 years and you're just now creating curriculum around it and doing exciting things. So why don't you share with us about your spiritual game plan?
1: Thank you. Yep. This is, this last year was my 13th year to run it and I was watching my husband coach my daughter's sixth grade or middle school basketball team. And uh, I was intrigued at how those girls would just study their play And they knew it before they got on that court, they knew exactly what the play was going to be and where they needed to be in that play. And I started thinking how, you know, I'm raised in faith and I have my children raised in faith. Uh, They're in a private school, but even though we go to those um, lengths, our kids are still not really given a spiritual game plan before they go out. Uh, and play the game of life and how the, you know, if these kids are memorizing where they're going to be at a specific time and place, um, how important is it to give our kids spiritual tools so that when things come up, they will recognize it and they'll know uh, what the next play is. And so um, I knew that if I went into the sixth, seventh, uh, the middle school grades and try to do it, it would just come across as, okay, this is my mom coming in here to lecture. And so I asked um, some high school kids if they would be willing to work with me and set up a program where they went down and talked to the middle school kids about these things that they've experienced in high school and wish what they wish they had known spiritually, uh, peer pressure and all the stuff that comes up in high school, what they wished they had known prior to going into high school. And they give some testimonies and they do some icebreakers. And um, it was received so well that like I said, this last year was my 13th year um, of doing it again. And uh, the high school kids will write me letters when they've, after they're done uh, with the program. It's a one week program. They go every morning for five days down to the elementary school for one hour for the middle school. And they write me letters and they always say how they thought would be fun to teach the little kids, they call them, but how they walked away learning so much and that they felt prepared to go off into college. And I have a couple adults now, of course, because this is 13 years later, that say it actually, um, some of them said it changed the course of their career and ministry choices.
0: Oh, my goodness. What you're talking about is active discipleship and leadership training. That's what you're doing. You're not the one to go in and kind of like mother all these students necessarily. You are discipling them to teach each other.
1: That's incredible. And to take their leadership seriously and see the impact that they make. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So this program is called
0: Spiritual Game Plan. And so tell me what uh, – you talked to me earlier about questions that – we kind to of have them going in asking different categories of questions, and, and, and we'll get to the questions in a second, but I wanted to ask you, why are these questions so necessary? And and w- because we're talking to parents right now on this podcast, we're talking to Christian parents who care about the education, the well-being, the upbringing of their children. Right. What is it that you found was missing in that parent-to-child relationship as far as like openness and honesty like can you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah um as a parent it's hard to have some of these conversations with your kids you don't want to presume that they are doing anything wrong or um you know being being um tempted in ways you know we we all know we do but you don't want to just come out in an accusatory way talking to your child What I have found is that if the parent's embarrassed or uncomfortable, the kids think something's shameful. They think something's like, oh, maybe that's bad, where uh, they find comfort when a parent, I think, can have the courage to be frank and open and just say, here's some areas that I struggled with, or um, have you found this happening in your school, or have you found this happening with your friends? Asking them questions that bring them into the dialogue instead of, we just don't do that. Because um, then they're thinking, well, maybe I'm a bad person for thinking that, and so we close down such a huge area for growth and communication by our own our own fear of our kids not making the correct choices.
0: Right, right, and the things that we we try to do that's that we think are the. It is a good choice, you know, for them, whether it's environment or, or I want to keep my kids home and homeschool them to protect them from certain things, or I want to send them to private Christian school to protect them from certain things. Um, You are on a private Christian campus right now, aren't you?
1: I volunteer on on a private Christian campus. Um, I have never been staffed there, but I run this program, uh, the Spiritual Game Plan, and I also uh, mentor kids that just need extra encouragement. Mm. Yeah.
0: And these things are just as relevant for them. We need to ask these questions to Christian kids as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's one area that I have found kind of a huge hole is that some of the parents have asked me, why do you feel the need to do this? We send them to a Christian school. (laughs) And uh, I'm like, well, I'm over there talking to your kids. So, (laughs) you know, we need to, we need to be there for our kids. But I think it's just so hard. It's hard to ask our kids about substances and sex questions and peer pressure. It's a really hard discussion. And so a lot of times we do our best. We put them in areas and we should put them in areas that that's not as big of a worry. But I think we feel safe um, by putting them there. And so we don't address the issues that might be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm.
0: So being intentional then about asking uh, questions like this. Now, you sent me seven questions that will kind of go down um, and you can kind of uh, sort of summarize your experience with uh, what these kids have needed in the 13 years that you've been working with teenagers. The first one being peer pressure. And you put it in terms of what do you wish your parents had asked about peer pressure? Mm-hmm. So this is coming from... The kids and not just here, let me tell you about peer pressure. <laughs> as if, as if, right? So, so what is their response been to that?
1: Um, well, addressing it and one one uh answer that I really liked in some of the questions that I've asked was talk to the kid about what it implies. What does it imply when if someone asks you to do something that they know you shouldn't? What is it saying about the kid who asked, not about you? And so a lot of times kids feel pressured into doing something because of how, they don't, how it's gonna look. Like I don't wanna look like a goody-goody or I don't wanna look this way or I don't wanna make them feel bad. But having the talk, to, one kids a, have the talk about what that implies ahead of time. So when it happens, your child will say, oh yeah, this is what we talked about and what, what this implies you know, is how this kid sees themselves. And also uh, one thing I'm huge on with kids is convictions. And it says, you know, talk to us about how to stay strong with our conviction. And so asking kids, what are they convicted about? And how will you use that to stand up for yourself or someone else or be able to say no to peer pressures? Mm.
0: So good, so good. So the next one, dating. Yeah. (laughs) How do they wish their parents had addressed this issue? (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, some kids that I talked to were told you're just not allowed to. Mm -hmm. Or they were given a magic number. When you're this age, you can date. And I really think you have to look at the situation surrounding what the date is um, and your own child's responsibility level. If you say you can date at 16, well, I might have one child that was fully responsible and ready to go on a certain kind of date at 16 but the other kid might not have been. So giving a magic number isn't really not a great idea. I personally don't think so Um, because some of the kids said, I wish they had talked to us about it. What is dating mean? What, what do you think about regarding dating? What makes a person ready? And what are some of the temptations that dating opens up? One thing I like about being on a campus is that the quote unquote dating is always usually geared around a spiritual event, but you know, they will get out there in the real world. So asking them, what does it look like? How do you think you're ready to date and what implies that you're ready to date? Mm,
0: Okay. So those markers looking for those maturity markers, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, One person said that um, they wish they had really paid attention more or that the mom would talk more. She said she got shut down quite a bit. So keep talking moms, but that um, she talked to the child about what, the kind of people they're drawn to dating. She said that she was drawn to um, very needy men because she was always told what a caring person she was. So addressing maybe some character traits and not just the issue of do or not, do or don't date. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I remember actually uh, dating um, young men and whether it was high school or college who the majority of them had um, come from divorced homes and uh, not that that's a bad thing on on the child of course but right. um i came from a home where my parents loved each other and they still do they've been married 30 plus yeah. years and um and i wonder that looking back gosh why why is it do I, and and i think that I had to tell my own young heart, I think I feel a need to make it better for them or to rescue them Mm -hmm. or something to that effect. And so asking questions like that too, like what draws you to certain types of boys and that that is an indicator of you or or vice versa, boys to girls. You know, so I know some young men who feel the need to be that knight in shining armor for very needy girls, you know?
1: Yeah, one student was told she kept being told she wasn't ready. And she said then when she got out there as an adult, she never felt like she had guidance of what being ready meant or what a mm. healthy relationship would. But yeah, under, and and it's easy. Sometimes um, when you have a child that's dating someone that maybe you don't care for specifically blaming things that happen in that relationship on that person, you know, well, my daughter was dating this guy and he made her, you know, do these things. But we need to stop and say, well, what is happening in my daughter's life that she would think that's okay? Or, you know, talking to your kids, dating is preparatory, and it needs to be a healthy discussion instead of you're not ready, or, you know, don't do it yet, or just a list of don'ts.
0: Right. Right. All right. So we've talked about peer pressure, we've talked about dating, and now the sex word what do uh, what do kids wish their parents had talked to them about regarding sex?
1: Yeah, I'm always um, really kind of sh- I shouldn't say shocked, but I am shocked when I talk to the kids about sex um, because a lot of them their parents don't talk to them about it, and I'm and these are high school kids, and so um, they just feel like okay they'll learn it or they'll get it in class or they should know by now, and some people that I talked to said, I wish my parents had just talked to me straight up about what it is, being frank, asking questions like we mentioned earlier in our conversation. Don't act embarrassed because then you give them belief that something's not right. And then one uh, gal is saying, you know, just be straight up, but talk about how sex is a good thing in the context that Christ created it. Not just all the bad things about sex, but that sex is And that God made it for an enjoyment and for a purpose and how it can what it can happen when it when it does happen outside of marriage, what are the effects of that? And giving and opening that door communication, even talking if they're saying stop it or gross or ew, even say continuing to talk later down the road lets them know that you're a safe place to come talk to them about that.
0: Right, right. Because those reactions can kind of be a little off-putting for parents, right? Right. Like, oh oh, no, enough. I don't want to hear about, I want to picture you and dad, uh," you know. We can't, we can't be afraid of our kids' reactions. Just like when our kids are little, you know, I talked to a lot of young moms, they're dealing with, you know, the toddler stage. And just because your kid reacts and, and cries when you take something away from him doesn't mean that you're being a bad mom like you know like our our ground and and the truth that we hold in our hearts whether it's about discipline or about real love and real relationship that that is a biblical standpoint and it's not dependent on someone else's reaction you know that yeah. we are responsible for guiding them so
1: being open with any prior mistakes you made and telling your kid this is a mistake I made and this is what happened and even though that's hard Um, Them seeing that you are, you know, being able to, to talk about it instead of them finding out later, or if they're saying, oh, stop, stop, and you do, then they're like, okay, you know, I can't talk to them about that. Mm,
0: Right. Being honest with our past too. And for some parents, that may be an area to work on first.
1: Yeah, you don't have to go into details. Kids don't have to have details. They can just say there, you know, there's some mistakes I made in this area and this is the hurt it caused, or, you know, you have to decide what is best. Being able to talk about it from how you were talked about it and maybe that was good or bad, or but being able to share instead of just giving a list of don'ts.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've talked about peer pressure, dating, sex, uh, substances. What is it that kids are needing to hear from adults about substance abuse? <laughs> um,
1: this is a this is a sad one because it's so prevalent. Um, you know, now that in the state that I live in, uh, marijuana is now legal, and a lot of times kids think if it's legal, it's good and it's okay, and so. What I'm finding is if kids believe that something is hard, it's bad. And so if they've had a hard day, then it's bad. Then I've got to get to where I don't feel bad. And so, you know, okay, this substance makes me not feel bad for a moment. A lot of the kids that I have worked with that have turned to either alcohol or marijuana and unfortunately harder substances, a lot of times they just don't feel valued but they feel like a struggle is a bad thing and something must be wrong with them if they're struggling or something must be wrong with them if they're sad or mad. Um, Social media I think has played a huge role in more substance abuses. the kids I talk to are comparing so much of I'm not this and I'm not that because look at how they are. And so um, they might find acceptance if they join a group that is partaking in substances um, but a lot of them just want to feel numb they don 't want to think about what 's going on instead of coping mechanisms and talking about what 's happening and coming up with a plan it 's just easier sometimes to turn mm. to a substance
0: mm. understandable that makes so much sense right so uh As we continue the rest of the list, Sherry, uh, the game plan, helping to disciple the older kids to talk to the younger, to to help each other through these hard times, are you then also giving those solutions, those positive options then? Like, what are some coping mechanisms that we can help our kids to understand? Is that part of kind of what you're developing as well?
1: Um, That's a good idea. I know I work with it with the high school kids because uh, we work with them for, our. with them for three months working on outlines and curriculum and, and what they can and cannot say <laughs> if for six, six to eighth graders. But when we get to substances, most of this data that I've collected has been talking to the high school kids. And why do you feel the need to turn to a substance? And so understanding, yes, the feeling and what the need, actual need is that is driving us to that substance is so important. And with the high school kids, getting active in something uh, extracurricular, you know, sports, a uh, music, a uh, service. A lot of times if you're feeling bad about yourself, going and serving someone else in any way takes your mind off of that. And so luckily on the campus I work with, uh, we do have a, a service program. So, you know, helping at church or finding another student that needs tutoring, finding where you can offer help to someone else and get your mind off of needing the substance and making healthier choices. But having kids write out what that looks like, not just talking, but putting it on paper so they can see it. With the game planning, you know, we're looking at goals. What are your goals? Well, I ask kids, what are your goals that you want? And what are your goals that you do not want? When you're as old as Mrs. Fletcher, what do you not want to be? Do you not want to be on drugs? Do you not want to be a single parent if 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 it's your choice? And how do those... If that's not your choice, what are you going to make to, to, you know, I'm talking sex, premarital sex-wise as far as single parents at the young age. What are choices you're making today that can take you to the goals you want and keep you from the goals you don't want? And if those are clear in your mind what you don't want, hopefully the choice you're going to make right now will go towards the goals you do want.
0: Mm, okay. So, yeah. So walking them through all of that, and and not just giving answers. So I think that's that's what we want. it's probably what we want to hear, even as we listen to podcasts like this. Like, just give me the formula and give me the questions to ask yeah. so that I can do this with yeah. my kids. You know. But it's really walking through and guiding them with questions. Like, well, what, what do you want? What What do you think it'll look like if you do this and this and this? Yeah. And here's my two cents, but what do you think about that? You know, and I like what you said at the beginning, you know, not, not treating them like they like not coming to the conversation, assuming that they're already making all kinds of bad decisions or that they're dumb or that, you know, I mean, I think we can make the mistake sometimes. I, I we talked a little bit with um, Connie Albers who, who came out with a new book on raising teenagers with, with joy that, we cannot, yeah, just assume that, that their heads are empty and it's our job to fill right. that, right? Yeah, they know, they're, they're smart. They can make connections and figure it out. Next, so we've talked about peer pressure, dating, sex, substances, and now gender preference. Whoa, you're going there you with have,
1: these kids? You gotta go there today. Yeah. You've got to go there today. And uh, that's such a hard topic Kids these days are facing it way more than I ever faced it, but I think that's because it's just more widely accepted in areas, and so kids are getting taught getting that even on Christian campuses. I'm not talking to kids as so much to give them answers as much as you know what where how are you facing it, um, is it happening in your classroom, how do you think about it, what are some of the areas where you've where you've run into that or even, you know, your thoughts on it and just opening up the communication instead of it just being a taboo. We don't talk about that because we're, we're, you know, dealing with kids. I've got, I've got kids that whose siblings have gender preferences that are different than theirs, kids whose parents have separated due to gender preferences, and they just need a place to talk and they need a place for answers because they are so confused as to where is God in all of this? And is my mom or my dad or my sibling or someone I love, you know, where do they stand? And I got to be honest, as a human, I I can't say where they stand with God. Um, I can say that, you know, I know for sure God loves them. But, you know, I basically when it comes to these issues, I think we've got to really just listen and let the kids come and talk to us instead of just, shutting it down and telling them that's just not what we believe or that's just not what we think, then they're just confused. Mm-hmm. And so I honestly don't have answers on that other than being a place that kids can come and talk to me about it. And I do tell them absolutely, God loves you know your relative and and, and it's something I don't understand and I can't explain, but I can tell you, yes, God loves them and we can surrender it. And we can just you know, love them and welcome them at our table just as we hope they would welcome us and love us at their table.
0: Yeah, yeah. It can be as simple as that. I love that this is one example of where we don't have to have all the answers. And for those of us who sort of need to know Uh, like we're natural rule followers, right? We need to know the rules. So we need to know how we think about this and this and that. Some of these areas, and and this isn't by any means, you know, my stance on gender preference or anything like that, but sometimes it needs to be as simple as seriously, God loves them. God loves us no matter what we choose to do, how we choose to live our life. We all do answer to God, but let's, let's talk about it. You're welcome to ask me anything. I love that stance because that's sometimes all we can do. Moving on from gender preference. The last two questions are more about kind of the general faith aspect of the kids' lives as they're in high school. So are our kids able to ask or able to question and ask questions about faith, including things like doubts? Talk about
1: that for a second. Like I said, you know, I, I am active on a Christian campus. It is of a denomination. And so a lot of kids that come to our school have been raised, me included, in that denomination. But as human beings, we question and we should question. You know, we should not just take things as is because we are told clearly in the Bible that he comes hiding in sheep's clothing. And so we, you know, Satan will do the worst work right there in your own church. So you've got to be able to stand strong and that is coming from asking questions. And so some of the kids that I work with, um, they'll question the faith they were growing up in. Maybe it's because of how they saw it lived out in their home, maybe uh, how they saw God in their home. And so they associate that doctrine or that denomination with, you know, how they saw it lived out in their home. And so they might question some of the beliefs. And are our homes a safe place to ask those questions? Or do they feel like they will be shamed for not believing what, you know, we've taught them and what the school teaches them and what the church teaches them. Um, and so a lot of the kids that I have worked with, have said, you know, they'll ask the hard question, uh, because they don't, feel like they can ask, ask it at home, or if they ask it in class, they're embarrassed, because they'll feel like, well, if everyone else is thinking this, and I don't, then, um. and some of the kids, uh, you know, they will grow up and, and leave the church, because they didn't see it lived out the way they thought it should have been, or like I said, the, you know, Satan is doing the worst damage right there in that sanctuary of the week, and so if they don't have a safe place to ask, they a lot of times, leave. Mm,
0: simple and straightforward, right? I mean, that's the question that that a lot of us are asking now: Why are young people leaving the church? And with and in this age of information, when they have access to so many things and so many options and so much teaching and so you know, if we're not in the home their main and trusted source. And it doesn't even need to just be parents. It, like the, our close community of adults, you know, that's why community again is so important. <laughs> Are we doing what we can to cultivate the safety for them to do that? Because yeah, you're right. They just, if they don't hear a, a, a reason that makes sense that they can connect back to love and grace instead of just rule following, right. it's, it's common it's very common
1: a lot of kids growing up in a faith that faith is God and if that faith or people in that faith let them down then they think God has let them down and so trying you know explaining to them that we are human beings and we're all on this earth as sinners and we come here to learn about God and to serve one another but God is God and if this church lets you down then you can, you know, what are the tools to get back up? What are some things that you could do to not just leave God? Yeah.
0: The difference between a, a, a religion that is organized, or a, a, as even as something as simple as you know, I like grew up in the Calvary Chapel system, and say it's not religion, it's relationship. It's different than traditional religion or whatever. But you know, either way, what, whatever kind of church we are raising our kids in, they know that there's there's an organization to it. We go to church every Sunday, we go to Bible study every Wednesday, or whatever that looks like. Why, why am I choosing to give my days to this thing that you say is good because it's God, but no, what is the difference between what we create as men and women to make sense of God for ourselves and the difference between actual just communion with God. We can have relationship with him wherever we are and the the difference, right? And, you know, of course, going back to, well, now that this is accepted, this is why we worship in this way or whatever, but, you know that that one way or even one denomination isn't the absolute answer to anything, you know. So, last question then. Um, So, what questions can a parent ask to open discussions about the struggles that teens have during high
1: school? One of the kids uh, was saying, don't avoid the tough conversations, even if it's uncomfortable. With the internet, we've got a lot of pornography now that's just accessible. And so being open and, and just asking your child, even if it's uncomfortable and you're scared of the answer, asking the questions and asking your kids, not just how was your day, but you can ask them specific questions. Uh, how is such and such a class? Um, if you know a situation that, with, that they would be in, whether it's good or bad, being very intentional about that question, you know, opens up conversation that can lead down the road to areas where they struggle. If they're struggling academically, I've had a couple of kids say, you know, my grades are, are going down and my parents are just mad that my grades are going down instead of sitting down saying, what's happening? Is something going on? And finding those avenues instead of why is your grade going down? And you need to get working and you need to, you know, fix that grade. And then asking, how can we support, you know, if, I, if you're struggling, what are some areas I can help you in and uh, letting them feel that being consistent. A lot of kids said they wish their parents were consistent, which is the one thing when they're in, in that phase, they get mad about, but um, they said, I wish they had just been more consistent. And um, in, in asking us those specific
0: questions. Gosh. As much as we think teenagers kick against the rules, what they're really asking for are boundaries, aren't they?
1: Absolutely. It's comforting.
0: Mm.
1: And if they don't think so now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well thank you so much, Sherry. Now you do have a download that's going to be available for listeners. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yes, I will put these questions and some of the answers that uh, we talked about today and some that we didn't get to that they gave us. Um, and they would be able to download the questions that we talked about today and some of the answers that, um, that I've gotten over the years from the students. And so I will get that available for you and your listeners.
0: Great. Thank you. So that will be available in our show notes here at Practical Family. And also go ahead and visit SherryFletcher.com. And she's got more uplifting and encouraging advice for parents as she has worked with teenagers for, for years now and working directly with them, mentoring directly with them. And Sherry, I'm so glad you've come onto the podcast today to share that experience.
1: Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. It was very fun.
0: Absolutely. Is there anything, any last encouragement or piece of advice you'd like to leave with parents?
1: Just love your kids. Just be there whether you're scared of the answer, um, ask the question.
0: You've been listening to episode 70, Creating a Spiritual Game Plan, with my guest, Sherry Fletcher. Make sure to check out Sherry at SherryFletcher.com. And she's also written an awesome blog post for our blog. Go to practicalfamily.org, and in the blog, it is called Six Hard Topics Our Kids Want Us to Discuss with Them. And these topics include things like peer pressure, dating, sex, substances. <laughs> <laughs> Don't giggle when I say sex. Gender preference, questioning their own faith. So, do you have a spiritual game plan today? Go and check out Sherry Fletcher's blog post. And thank you again for listening to the Practical Family podcast. Subscribe if you have not subscribed yet on iTunes and leave us a review because it helps us out so much. Thanks again for listening. This has been Jennifer Bryant with Practical Family and. It, Bryant. And. Asher Bryant. And we are helping your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes.